Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. All right. Good morning, Project Church. How many people are excited to be in church today? In church. I got to go fast because I wasn't supposed to go into that song. (laughs) But hey, how's everybody doing with their new habits? If this is your first time here, we're in the middle of a series called This Is My Year. How many people think that this is their year? Are you waking up every morning like you said you're going to? It's quiet. Have you been in the Word every day? You guys, I already messed up my streak. I was so mad. I was like, day seven? Come on, Chrissy. Okay. But it's okay. I was reading the Bible other ways. Let's not get religious. Um, And also, are you staying on your meal plan? How many whole 30 years out there? Keto people and all the other diets out there. Great. Well, one thing that we were challenged in last year or last week was to create one new habit. I know that we sometimes go into the new year all gung-ho and we're like, we're going to change everything. We're going to be new. We're going to be a new person, new creation, new me, new year, new decade, new everything. And we say, I'm going to try all these new habits. But we said, you know, let's be realistic and let's be laser focused this year. What is the one habit that you need to change? And I just want to piggyback that and say, what is the one habit this week, week two of this, or week three of the series, that we are going to stop certain habits? How many people need to stop some certain habits in their lives? So I want to challenge you the same way that Caleb challenged you last week, to not just start one habit, but to stop one habit. And here's the thing, I, I, I know that we are always talking about these things that we can stop, whether it's complaining, gossiping, anybody I mean, you're praying for that person, but, you know, let's call it for what it is. Um, Nutrition, you're going to be healthier, eater, binge watcher, social media. Anybody stop social media? Okay, Caleb is fasting it, and I was like, you know, I don't need to. I don't struggle with that. So I'm just going to look at just, you know, enough social media for both of us. So, um, and then um, what else? Substance. What substances do we need to stop? You know, we're thinking of all these things we need to start and that we need to stop. And I want you to understand this is not just about becoming a successful person in 2020. This is not about having and exerting the most willpower in order for us to reach our goals. This is a very spiritual matter. You might be thinking, man, yes, Project Church, finally, they're just going to be talking about practical stuff, stuff that I get, like one, two, three, this is the new me. And I'm like, no, this is a very spiritual thing to develop new habits. This is a very important thing that we need to do. And it's a spiritual thing. And I think about what Paul said in Romans seven fifteen: for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He's trying to stop habits. He's trying to start new habits, and he's trying to sustain that, and that's what this series is all about. But I want to ask you a question, and I know Caleb answered part of it last week, but why is a good habit so difficult to start? And at the same time, why is a bad habit so difficult to stop? Do you see that happening in your lives when you're trying to start something new? It's like, ah, so hard, and then you're like, oh, I should stop that, but oh, well, I'm going to watch seven more episodes, you know? Clearly, you know what my issue is today. But I, I think that it's that a good habit, you don't see um, immediate results. The payoff is in the future. 
that's the thing about a good habit. And then the thing about a bad habit is that there's immediate gratification, but we don't see the negative results in the future. Or we don't see it until the future. And so I think about even just this idea of anger. I'm going to be speaking from James 1.21, but the verse before that talks about him being, being slow to, to speak and slow to anger. And true or false, my eight-year-old told me the other day um, that, uh, well, he told Caleb, why is mom not slow to anger? And I go, shoot, I know what, my, what I need to stop doing. Anyways, this, <laughs> I'm confessing a lot this morning. But I want you to know, and I understand that sometimes anger, when we act out in our anger and we want to say what we want to say, even if we don't say it to the person, but we write it out and we type it out. Has anybody ever typed a message back to somebody on, on Instagram and you're like, Ugh, it feels so good. It's immediate gratification, but then we don't know that negative effects it has on our heart. What did that message root in my heart? What did, when I, when I complained and what did that gossip and what did those things, how did that, what did it do to the relationships years down the road? We don't see the negative results when we stop bad habits. We just feel good in the moment. And I want you to understand that these choices that we make and these, these things that we decide, they contribute to who we become. But it's not just one choice. It's not just one habit. It's a progression. It's a lifestyle of these choices and habits. And I want you to think about this for a moment. How many people would consider themselves an athlete? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, now, someone doesn't become an athlete, and you all who raised your hand would agree, because they played a game of kickball in fourth grade. You know, I know somebody who surfed one time and from there on called themselves a surfer. I was like, you surfed one time. You took one lesson. Someone doesn't become an athlete after one game of kickball in PE. And also, I think about fourth grade. Fourth grade was the year where everything happens for you, right? You like try new things. And so the year somebody hands you a, a recorder in music class, right? You're probably not going to call yourself a musician after you play the recorder once or twice, right? You're also not going to call yourself a godly parent because you went to church one time. And you're probably also not going to call yourself a generous person because you gave to the church once. And you're also not going to call yourself a great spouse because you got married. That was one choice, right? And so I want you to think about the person that you want to become. Maybe even the label, I know people are anti-labels all the time. It's okay, I'm a mom, that's my label. Oh, I want to be a good mom. What is the label? What is the person? Who is the person that you want to become? Because yes, we need to understand why we're changing the ha these habits, like Caleb said. If we understand the why, then we know that we can try to do these habits so we know why we're doing. We know what our motivating factors are. But I want you to ask yourself, who do you want to become? And based on who you want to become, what habit do you desperately need to stop? What is it that you need to stop in your life? And I want to give you just really quick, really practical, how do you break a bad habit so that you can become the person that you want to become? And I, I just want two things. Make it really easy and make it really obvious. Okay, make it really easy, make it really obvious. Sometimes we're just like, I just, like Caleb said last week, I just want to be healthy. I just, I, or, I, and then it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what are you actually going to do to become healthy? Well, like eat healthier kind of maybe, you know, when I feel like it. No, what is it that you actually 
Um, how can you actually break this habit? You got to make it easy and you got to make it really obvious. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15, it says this, do not enter the path of the wicked. That is the bad habit, entering the path of the wicked. But then it goes on to say, and do not walk in the way of evil. Number one, that's how you stay out of the path of, of wickedness. Then it says, avoid it, number two. Then it says, do not go on it, number three. Turn away, number four, and turn away from it. And then five, pass on. So whatever you're trying to stop, you got to make it very obvious. There's, there's this path. Do not walk on it. Do avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on to it. We've got to make what we want to stop really obvious and the ways in order to stop doing it very obvious. And make it really easy. For instance, if you want to wake up early, you know, Caleb gives me a hard time for this all the time. I'm just like, I'm just going to wake up. <laughs> my, my clock will tell me when to wake up. I'm going to be an early riser. And he's just like, that doesn't work, Chrissy. I mean, I, it kind of works because I do wake up early. But I'm just saying, some of you are trying to wake up early and you're just relying on your clock to tell you, no, what are you going to do? You're going to make it really easy for yourself. You're going to go to sleep early. You're going to set an alarm. You're going to set a second alarm. And then you're going to put your phone over on the opposite side of the room and maybe under a couple of things so that you have to get up and really wake up and find it. And like that, that that's going to help you to wake up really easy, right? Really simple. And if you want to stop the habit of too much screen time, you're going to decide on some boundaries, right? There's one. You're going to decide to not pull your phone out during dinner. That's a great idea. You hear me? Okay, great. I'm like using this as an illustration, but really do it. And then delete the apps on your phone. Delete apps that you are looking at over and over on your phone. Disable your phone during prime time use. Caleb and I do that between 6 and 8. I cheat every once in a while if I need to take cute videos of my kids. So disable your phone or mute your phone. If you can't hear it, you can't use it, right? You can't respond to it. And, you know, for some of you men and maybe women, stop bringing your phone to the bathroom. I'm going to leave that right there. Okay. <laughs> Nobody thought I'd go there, but you guys know you do that. It's disgusting. Okay. Speaking of disgusting, James 1.21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness. I didn't mean to do that, but that worked out perfectly. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Seriously, he's in the bathroom for a long time. Sorry. Like, what are you doing? You brought your phone in, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> James 1.21. Honey, I love you. Therefore... Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I believe that James here in this one verse, and we're going to dive into one verse um, today, maybe hit a few um, helpful verses, that James gives us a blueprint on how we can successfully stop bad habits. Because sometimes we're just like, I just need to stop. I just need to stop. I just need to stop. Well, we need a game plan. We need a blueprint. And I believe that James gives that, gives that to us. So how do we successfully stop bad habits? Let's dive in. Number one, we need to recognize your need for change. Recognize your need for change. Therefore, put away filthiness and rampant wickedness. What are those things that you need to stop? What are those things that you need to get rid of? You know, there's something that hap has happened in our culture, and I believe in um, really for a while now, is that we really like to talk a good grace game. 
You know what I'm talking about? Grace, gay man. Grace on you. It's all right. I forgive you. It's all right. You can, you can blur the lines a little bit more. Grace, 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 grace. It doesn't matter. You know, just God will love you. God will forgive you. And yes, that is all true. But what I think has happened is that we've made everything okay. So we are not able to say no to anything. Is if everything is okay, everything, um, nothing can say, no one can say no to other things. You know what I'm saying? First Corinthians 10.23 says this, and I believe that this kind of speaks to that, you know, grace game. All things are lawful. Jesus, he came and fulfilled the law. No more laws, no more Old Testament, no more laws, no more rules, no more, even I think people translate that to there's no need for obedience anymore. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things are built, can build up. And in other versions, it says, I have the right to do anything I want to do. Does that sound familiar? That's our culture. I can do whatever I want. Nobody tell me what to do, right? Uh, it's really funny how the culture echoes the sound of a toddler complaining. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is is constructive. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. There are a lot of unnecessary things in our lives. And how can we determine what are those unnecessary things? You're probably thinking right now, what is the one habit that I need to stop? What is the one habit? And I want you to to consider these three things, and I'll submit these to you as um, things that are unnecessary in your life, things that you need to stop. They're either, number one, unhealthy, number two, they're unhelpful, or number three, they're ungodly. What is the thing that you're going to stop? That will help you decide what you need to stop. Unhealthy, unhelpful, and ungodly equals unnecessary. You don't need that in your life. And so I'm just, I want you to just be encouraged to survey your life right now. Recognize the things that you need to change. The things that we need to change. You can't defeat what you don't define. So let's define what needs to change. What we need to rid ourselves of. And you know what? There's another thing that I think we could think about. And it's a word called triggers. Somebody say triggers. Somebody was triggered the moment they saw Joel and Caleb up here. Either as a person who hates sports, I'm like, seriously, you guys aren't talking about sports this whole time. Triggered, you know. <laughs> or it's the person who, like, loves the Seahawks. Guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'm a total bandwagon fan, just throwing that out there. Um, so Niners, woo, okay. Um, but some people are just triggered, and I want you to understand the things that trigger you. And this is something, if you've ever done any amount of therapy or counseling, this is probably familiar to you. But there's triggers like the place, time, mood, moment, or people. Write that down. Place, time, mood, moment, or people. These different things trigger things in you. And things that you want to stop, sometimes you're not able to because of these triggers. Or these things that you want to do, sometimes you stop yourself from doing because of the triggers. Number one, place. If you're trying to stop drinking, whether you call yourself an alcoholic or not, you're probably not going to find yourself in the place where you have easy access to it. Right? So there's a place that triggers people. There's a time. You know, I really love talking to Caleb about my deepest thoughts and dreams at like 11.30 p.m. And he hates it. And so I've learned to not talk to him at that time. Okay, and so there's times where it, it, it's just not helpful. And I think girls know what time I'm talking about. Moving on. 
There's also moods that trigger us. There's moods that trigger us. And sometimes when we're triggered, we need to just halt. H-A-L-T. H-A-L-T. Those are four um, descriptions of our mood. Number one, halt when you're hungry. <laughs> no, seriously. Caleb, I'm sorry. I am so, I'm so sorry. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> Number one, hungry. Number two, when you're angry. Or one of the same, hangry, right? Or number three, when you're lonely. When you're lonely, just stop. Don't do what you thought felt good in the moment. Stop yourself. Loneliness does not help you make great decisions or choices. It's a trigger. And again, time, I already hit that time. But H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, or time, recognize that those trigger you at times. And then people. People, people, people. There are people that are going to trigger you and you need to be, be aware of who and when. And, you know, and I'm about to talk about this in a moment, but there's toxic people. That's such a buzzword today. Toxic people. But I'm telling you, they're going to trigger you. And if you want to successfully stop a bad habit, recognize what triggers you. Recognize what triggers you. So recognize your need for change, number one. Number two, we need to replace an old habit with a new habit. I don't believe that all habits are, um, old habits are bad. So I just want you to delineate old and bad from what you're trying to stop. But I do think you have to understand this transaction of putting off and putting on. If we're going to stop something, the way we can continue to stop something is by taking something else on. You know, there's some people in their lives and they're like, oh, I'm just so busy. I just need to take, I just need to stop. And then they just like stop everything. And it's like they have no life and then they have no purpose. And they're like, I just need to stop everything. And it's like, no, don't stop everything. We're called to work. We're called to do. Faith without works is dead, right? So when you get into that thought pattern of I just need to stop everything, be careful. Okay, but you need to maybe take on something new, something that's more productive, and I, I want you to understand, again, this transaction of taking off and putting on or putting away and receiving. Because that's what it talks about in James 1.21. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and then receive with meekness. You have to put something away and then you have to receive. So this is a really important transaction. Um, for instance, if you are hangry all the time and you're finding yourself being triggered by hunger and anger, then if you're, then, then replace, replace that time where you find yourself being hangry with a meal plan. Put in a meal plan. Receive a meal plan. If you are binging Netflix, take, stop with Netflix and put on something like Disney Plus where you know you're not going to watch all of the princess cartoons, Right? I'm just kidding. That is also equally addictive. Okay. Um, (laughs) Figure that. And and if you're wanting to stop being late, I'm sorry I have nothing for you because I still struggle with that. Okay. So it's really important to recognize and be honest with yourselves, but try to figure out and ask God to help you how you can replace a whole habit and put on a new habit. And again, this is a spiritual thing. This isn't just us becoming successful in 2020 so our businesses grow or that our Instagram following grows, or that our church grows. That's not what it's about. This is a spiritual thing that we have to understand and take to heart. Think about Colossians 3, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Colossians 3, 
verse 5, it says, put to death, killed, put to death, therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, covetousness, which is idolatry. So you're putting to death these things, but then it's telling you in a few verses later, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, that's another word, we're going to hit that again, and patience. You have to take something off and put something else on. If you want to be successful in 2020, then quit the new habit, but replace it with something new. It's just the, it's just the transaction of, of this life that we live, the spiritual life that we live. And when we, when we replace something, our spiritual man is fed. Sometimes we want to deprive our spiritual man, but our spiritual man is still hungry for something. So we have to give it something of sustenance. So what does your spiritual self want so that you can kill the flesh? That's what you need to do. That's what we need to consider. So think about that. As you think about the one habit, what do you need to replace it with? And number three, remove the wrong people in your life. Remove the wrong community in your life. I mean, you guys are loving this because you're like, toxicity, toxic people out, right? Again, it's a buzzword. And I want you to, I want you to hear something that I read from a friend. And, you know, I, I subscribe to it. I, I, I agree with it to a certain degree, but let me just throw it out there. He said this, if every year you need to cut out toxic people for the new year for it to be your best year yet, it's you, you guys didn't like that. I was, I was like, amen, mic drop. Somebody, come on. And then he hashtagged it, common denominator. <laughs> okay, I'll get back to that. But you guys all know this. Remove the wicked, the filthy people from your lives. That's what James 1.21 is talking about. It's not just these practices. It's the people that you share company with. Proverbs 13.20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Get rid of the toxic people and replace it with good people. God honoring people, faithful people, people that encourage you. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Man, Christians, we are good. We are good at thinking that we are good and that we are the more powerful influence in other people's lives. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I think about the people in my life who have created me or who have helped me become the person that I want to be. They happen to be God-honoring people either in ministry or God-honoring people in business. I love that. Or these moms that I, I, I want to be like. I want to be like these great moms, and so I surround myself with them. I've made it a goal this year to surround myself with older women in ministry who have been doing this longer than me and meeting with them once a month so that I can become more like them. Birds of a feather flock together, right? And so, so we, we need to understand this concept, but let's get back to this idea of toxicity. I know you're excited about this. Yes, there's a common denominator um, when you're always the only person saying to get rid of toxic people. I just need to get rid of toxic people. Well, what happens when you get rid of everybody who you call toxic, which is practically everybody? You're isolated and alone and you're delusional. I'm just going to say that. You don't realize what is actually happening. You are isolating. And, you know, the enemy's goal in our life is not to create pain. It's actually to create distance from God and community and truth. And when you continue to pull, like, throw, like, toxic people away, toxic people away, then you're isolated and you're alone. 
and here's the thing, I don't think that we have an issue. I don't think there's that as many toxic people as you believe that there are. I think that we just have a toxic issue of labeling people toxic. <laughs> and we need to be careful because we are called to love people. And I'm not saying you have to be best friends with everybody. I'm not saying that you have to, like, the people that annoy you and drain you. I'm not saying that you have to spend all your time with them. But you might have an issue with time management and people choosing. And so I just want to encourage you that we're called to love people, to bear with one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're fulfilling the law when we love one another and we invite people into our community. But I'm not saying be best friends, chill, but be careful about toxicity and who you're calling. Maybe people are less toxic and our habits are more toxic. Let's just be careful and don't be the common dominator. You don't want to be that person, okay? That's, like, that's isolating yourself from people who are going to speak truth into your life. So remove the wrong community from your heart. And, you know, we, we say here at Project Church, community is our heart. And the, the heart can't be healthy if it has no community. And we talk about, and Aaron shared that this, this morning, team is our strength. Our teams aren't going to be strong if the heart isn't strong. If we're just serving together to serve together to put on a show and production and do all these things, then I don't think that we're fulfilling what God's called our hearts to do and be. And it's to be in community with one another, sharpening one another, and and just helping each other bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Remove the wrong community from your life, but there's right community that you can replace them with. Ask God to see them. And number four, reinforce your habits, your good habits, with the word of God or the bad habits that you're stopping. Reinforce it with the word of God. There's a big difference with knowing the word but also having it implanted into your life. What I love, what I love about this scripture, James 1.21, it says, and receive with meekness the implanted word. Are we allowing the word to just be head knowledge? I know people who can dance around all kinds of deep theological conversations and they know every single verse and they can memorize like the whole Bible practically and tell you what Arminianism is and Calvinism and Molinism, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, seriously, but you are kind of mean, (laughs) like all the time. That's not attractive. And, there's, and, and we can know the word and know it, but we don't have it implanted in our hearts and in our lives and are allowing people to water it, God, to water our understanding and allow that to grow and produce good fruits. We know people by the fruit that they produce. And if the word is not planted in our lives, then you just have a bunch of head knowledge. And I'm afraid that there are times where I'm like, shoot, I've studied the word of God and I preach every week. And am I producing the fruit during the week? Am I being more kind? Am I being more patient? I mean, I don't live in that. And I, but I do ask myself, reinforce the habits in your life with the word of God. And it's implanted in your life. You're going to see fruit produced. Okay? We just really, truly need to understand what it means to receive the implanted words. Because I think about this, and I don't really, I'm not a gardener. I wish I was, and I wish I knew how it all worked. But I think about this idea of seeds. I can just pop seeds in my mouth, and then it's gone. They're, they're gone. My bag that I got at grocery outlet is gone. And I just popped them in my mouth. But if I planted the pumpkin or the sunflower or whatever the other seeds I eat, <laughs> 
Okay. Um, then I will have a surplus of it if I plant it and if I water it and if I tend to it and if I look at it, if I t- pay attention to it. We need the word to be implanted in our lives, not just these seeds that disappear the next day and we have no fruit to show for it. Allow the word of God to reinforce the habits that you choose and let it soak in and let it save you. Do you hear that in James 1.21, it says, now receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You're able to be saved by the understanding of the word, but not just head knowledge. You can go to Bible college and study it all you want, but if there's no fruit in your life, then I'm afraid you're not going to be saved. So let's allow it to be implanted into our lives and let it save us. Save us from bad choices, bad habits, bad trajectories of our lives. We want to go on another trajectory in 2020, amen? So let's get in the word. And finally, let's regard ourselves as lowly. Like, wait, Chrissy, this is like new habits, new year, new decade, new me. This is my year. You were supposed to tell me that I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I, I can do it. I can be successful this year. My business is going to be successful. My family is going to be awesome. I, we're going to go, like, we're going to have the best marriage ever. We're going to have the best everything this year. But you're telling me to regard myself as lowly, and I'm saying yes. Regard yourself as lowly. There's a lot of talk out there right now about, yeah, go you, go girl. Woo, go. <laughs> I guess, guys, you can't really relate to that. But I hear a lot of this, like, go Go get them. Motivators and these people who are just telling that you can do anything. This is diametrically, this idea of living lowly is diametrically opposed to what the culture is telling us. The culture is telling us that we can do anything and everything. Remember I said that in 1 Corinthians um, 10.23. Everything is permissible. We can do everything. We can have it all. But again, if we don't regard ourselves as lowly, we're walking into this world with such arrogance and we've been called to be humble. We've been called to be lowly and to regard ourselves as lowly. Because here's what happens. I believe that we start making goals and we start these habits that are going to make and create the best life we could ever possibly imagine for ourselves. And here's the thing. If we don't start recognizing that we, that God sees us, yes, as redeemed in Jesus, but he sees us as a wretch that needs to be saved. Some of us are like, oh, God sees me. He loves me. He knows me. And I'm like, yeah, but he also knows that you're in desperate, dire need of him. And when you can finally recognize that you need him and that God sees us as someone who is in need of him, the whole reason he came to earth was to rescue us. He sent Jesus to rescue us. We are a wretch. He saved a wretch like us. But if we don't recognize how God sees us, then we're doomed to only becoming the best version of ourselves that we can imagine. You're like, wait, that's awesome. I want to become who I, the best person that I can imagine. I want to become those things that, that, that I've been writing on my vision boards and my storyboards and I've made goals for and I have like, like this whole planner that is going to help me become that person and do those things and accomplish those things. Well, here's the thing. We're doomed to just that. And God wants to do, do more in and through you, more than you can ever possibly imagine. 
And if we keep on seeing ourselves like, I can do this, I can do this, I'm going to accomplish my goals, then we're going to live a less than life. We need to start seeing ourselves as desperately and in dire need of Him. We are so desperate for Him. We are nothing without Him. And when we subscribe to who He is and what He wants us to do, it's going to be revealed to us but something greater than we can ever imagine. I don't want to be the best version that I can imagine. I want to be the best version that he created, that he is revealing to us as the days go on, as the months go on, as the years go on, as we grow in our history with Jesus. I want to become who he wants me to become. It's going to be greater than we could ever imagine. You see, the world stops certain habits so that they can become more successful. But disciples of Christ stop habits to become more submitted, more submitted to the calling that he has for us. And the calling that he has for us isn't just this mission to do, it's to become, to become who he wants us to be. And the only way that we can become who he wants us to become is when we're in close relationship with him. Our goals and our our own agendas keep us from a relationship that he wants to have with us. Our plans, our boxes. And so I think today, this morning, he's saying, put away the boxes. Things are not the way yet you thought they were gonna be. They are not the way you imagined because I have something better for you. I have something better than you could ever possibly imagine. You couldn't imagine the person. You couldn't imagine the, the job. You couldn't have imagined the ministry. You couldn't have imagined the influence that I have for you today. So let's stop dooming ourselves to what we can think for ourselves. Let's start believing, regarding ourselves lowly and in dire need of Jesus. I think about my grandfather-in-law when he passed away about eight years ago, I was sitting at his funeral and I remember another minister talking about him and saying, man, that Glenn Cole, he was, he was you know, some people probably would have mistaken him to be overly self-confident, right? And then he went on to say that Glenn Cole was so confident in what God had called him to it actually wasn't self-confidence. It was his humility and submission to God. So I'm not saying for you to consider yourself lowly. You guys suck. You know, I'm not saying that. That was harsh and strong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying consider myself of service to God and lowly in spirit and lowly in role on this earth and totally submitted to the God who wants to propel me and project me to greater than I could ever imagine. That's what it means to live lowly. Regard yourself lowly. And you know, you're like, well, oh my gosh, well, regard myself lowly. And I'm just, some of you are like new to Jesus and you're trying to figure out the Bible. And I'm, I'm just trying to read the word every day. Zechariah. 410 in the New Living Translation says this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Some of you in 2020 are beginning something new. And if it's a new beginning, God is smiling down at you. And he said, I'm with you. He who began a good work in you will finish it and complete it in you. He is a faithful God. He is coming through on his promises and he's gonna see you through this year, through this decade and it's gonna be better than you ever imagined. 
2 Corinthians 12, 9, and I'll close with this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That power that we sang about, the power that defeated death, hell, and the grave, I want to rely on that and that alone. I will boast in my weaknesses. I will boast in my need for Jesus. I will boast in my limited vision and receive the vision he has for me. Receive the blessing he has for me. Receive all he has so that his strengths can become perfect in our lives. Amen? You believe for that today? All right, let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the truth that it is, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and it's directing us, it's moving us. And God, I pray that you would just continue to illuminate this word to us, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. God, we don't know the best plans that we have for our lives. Um, We know the plans that we have for our lives, but we don't know your best plans for us. So God, we continue in relationship with you. We continue to focus in on you and ask that you would reveal yourself to us, reveal your purposes to us. And I wanna just take a moment here if you've listened to this message and you're, you're, you're thinking about just serving God for the first time, you've been coming to church for a while or maybe you heard this message for the first time and you're thinking, man, I want this relationship with a loving father who makes his strengths perfect in my weakness, who says that I don't have to be perfect to come to him. You want a relationship with him. You want to get to know him. If that's you in this place, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. We won't let a week go by where we don't give you this opportunity. And I know some of you who have listened to message after message, you've been coming since the beginning of the year. God wants to do something in your life. And he's just saying, submit to me. It's not about your success. It's about your submission. And I can do a lot through your submission. So as you raise your hand today, know that this is a step to say, you are Lord of my life. I'm submitting to you. If that's you in this place, I'm going to count to three give you a chance to think about it raise your hand I'm going to pray for you so on the count of three if you want to receive Jesus into your life you want to know him and his plans for you one two three raise your hands in this place that's you I see that hand I see that hand I see that hand I see those hands I come on church we just had some people raise their hands and they're in the kingdom and we're going to pray over them why doesn't everybody help me as we pray repeat after me dear Jesus Thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you into my life. I believe that you died and you rose again so that I might live in your power, resurrected power. I confess my need of you. I'm nothing without you. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. I love you, Jesus. You're a good God. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, why don't we stand here? I'm gonna invite some prayer partners to make their way down. This is the most important decision. For those of you who raise your hand, this is the most important decision you could have ever made in your life. And so there's just some people who wanna pray with you and solidify that decision. But come on. We're relying on the Holy Spirit, right? On His power to make new habits in 2020 to be the person that He's called us to be, becoming that right person. So why don't we sing this song just saying and declaring, I'm relying on your power, your power. Amen. I hope this word encouraged you today. 
If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.